Hey, this is Michael Gilbert from Flossum and Jetsum, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here once again bringing you your weekly dose of hard rock and metal. Hope that you enjoyed last week's show as we talked with Glenn Drover all about Walls of Blood and the release Imperium, as well as uh, Andrew Freeman with all kinds of good stuff that he's been doing, including Last in Line 2. So uh, if you haven't caught that one, then uh, be sure to either go up to focusonmetal.net, go to the episodes page, and click on episode 406. You can stream or download it right from there. Or, as always, you can go to one of our two iTunes channels as well and get yourself your copy there. And you could always go up to focusonmetal.blogspot.com and go to the show notes for the episode. And all the links are up there as well. And speaking of last in line, too, I just want to say, uh, really, Pledge Music, what are you thinking? It's killing me, it's killing me, it's killing me, it's killing me. Everything pisses me off! Everything pisses me off! Everything pisses me off! Uh, You know, big news over the last few weeks as the whole Pledge Music saga is unfolding and a lot of bands are taking some uh, pretty significant hits from uh, all of their mismanagement. I know that uh, Queensryche reported out that they were out about seventy grand, which is a huge, uh, huge hit, especially in the uh, the music industry these days. And it really sucks. And of course, the uh, Last in Line; those guys had a store up there. They had to close that store. And uh, Burning Rain, and just a whole bunch of bands have all uh, had to fold up their shops, and they're really, uh, really angry. A lot of fans have really disappointed. I am, I am definitely in that, uh, in that chunk of people that is disappointed being a longtime Pledge Music user. So uh, who knows if I'm ever going to see any of the refunds that are supposedly on the way for any of that stuff. I know that uh, within the first couple of days, I did go up there and hit, uh, hit cancel on a few and was able to get uh, prompt notification of refunds. But miraculously... All the cancel buttons seem to have disappeared on the page, and now there's just contact about this pledge, which really means, yeah, we're not going to do anything if you contact us. So if you want a little deeper dive on any of this, uh, Danny Vaughn did put up a nice video on YouTube explaining all of the the crap show that he was experiencing. That was definitely an early warning of the shitstorm that was to come. And if you're uh, out there and you are uh, just hearing about this for the first time, then you've got pledges up there on Pledge Music. You might want to go up there and uh, check whether or not you could actually cancel your order. But also, if you pay with a credit card, I urge you to go to your credit card company, get that thing disputed, and get the uh, the process working for you. So on behalf of all the bands and fans that had put their... Uh, their efforts behind your platform and believed in you and were uh, supporting you, you know, played music. You really screwed the pooch on this one. You really fucked up a good thing. And, uh, you know, another hit, another hit to the music industry. Thanks a lot, assholes. If you decide to relaunch again, maybe you call yourselves Ponzi music instead. All right, metalheads, let's get back to our happy place. Time for track of the week. All right, as promised last week, I said that once the Walls of Blood album got released, 
I would indeed play a track off of it as track of the week. Well, it's been released, and I am, unlike Pledge Music, going to live up to my promise, play you a track off of Imperium from Walls of Blood. And as I said a few minutes ago, if you want to find out everything about the album, how it came to be, the writing process, how long it took, all that good stuff, go to uh, last week's episode and hear Glenn Drover, the man behind it all, talking all about it. And if you've already listened to last week's episode, then you can probably predict exactly which track I'm about to play. That's right, off of Imperium from Walls of Blood with the mighty Glenn Drover on guitar. This one is Waiting to Die with, of course, Chuck Billy guesting on vocals. Enjoy. Promised a little track off of Walls of Blood and great guitar work there from Glenn Drover and always killer vocals from the one and only Chuck Billy of Testament. So up next we have our guest of the week. It is Michael Gilbert from Flotsam and Jetsam. Yep, just a few weeks ago Flotsam put out their 13th studio album, came out on AFM. It is called The End of Chaos. And uh, one thing special about that one, it is the first one to feature our buddy Ken Mary, who was on the show just a few weeks ago, talking a little bit about this as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. But this week, Richie was able to talk to Michael Gilbert in particular about the brand new album from Flotsam, as I said, The End of Chaos, which is uh, the first thing we've heard from them since um, 2016 self-titled release. So as of the time that I'm uh, mixing and recording this, it is on the uh, the German album charts at number 19 and also on the Swiss album charts. So that's pretty good. We'd love to see it on the American album charts as well, but uh, 
who knows if we're going to see that happen. It definitely deserves it, though. It's a good, solid metal album. Like, it's, you know, everything you would expect from Flotsam and more. These guys, they don't they don't change their stripes. It's kind of like our own metals, ACDC. You pretty much know the kind of stuff you're going to get. And uh, no surprises here. Just good, solid stuff. 12 tracks, totally about 50 minutes long. So uh, good old school metal. Just good stuff, top to bottom. Really enjoyed this one. And of course, great cover art as well. Always been a kind of a hallmark of the band. So what do you say that uh, I play a little bit of sample off of the end of Chaos? And then we will slide right into Richie's conversation with guitarist Michael Gilbert. Mike Gilbert from Flotsam. I'm looking for Richie. Yeah, speaking, Mike, how are you? Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm very good. All right. Yeah, I think I saw you, uh, I've only ever seen you play once. Um, You played the Worcester Palladium a couple of years ago. I think it was with Overkill. Oh, okay. And uh, I think it was, uh, I think Ugly Noise, it was on the Ugly Noise tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was with uh, Overkill and I think Testament was on that one too. Yeah, correct, correct. So, I never actually got to see you play in, uh, I don't know if you ever, I'm from Ireland, so I, I don't think you've ever played in Ireland, have you? Uh, we have. We've done Dublin uh, twice. Okay. That must be recently, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty recent over there. Yeah. I, uh, I, I moved here about eight years ago. Oh, okay. So it mu- Yeah. Before that, no Ireland dates before that. So yeah, yeah. Always wanted to go there. So last year we were able to go. Okay. Uh, Man, I didn't want to leave. We were only there for a couple of days, but I didn't want to leave. Yeah, did you have a, <laughs> did, did you have a couple of pints of Guinness? Yes, absolutely. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so first thing before I get into the interview, the album's brilliant. Absolutely oh, super. And I, I'm sure you I'm sure you're getting that from a lot of people. Yeah, we're getting we're getting some pretty good reviews on it, you know, and uh, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh but, you know, you, you never realize because when you're in the when you're writing the tunes, you know, you never really realize because because you're in the 
you're kind of in a bubble when you're writing stuff and then once it gets released and you hear it on the radio and you hear what people are saying about it, then that's when it really kind of hits you. It's like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. You know, we've, uh, we got some chemistry going on. We're, we're, uh, we're kind of locked in at our, uh, what we're doing. You know, last, the last record is what, what kind of did it. It was a, a preface to what, uh, happened this year within the chaos, you know? <laughs> hmm. So like, can you put your finger on why you think it's working out so well with the band now that, this album and the last one have been so well received. Uh, chemistry, uh, band chemistry. I, I really think that's what it is. Uh, there's, there's something about it when when everybody is is contributing. You know, five guys that are they're all got. We've all got our things that we do to make uh, the arrangements of the songs right. You know, Steve and I usually come up with the guitar riffs. Uh, we I can't even count how many probably fifty written 50 songs musically and submit over to Eric AK. And, you know, we just kind of count on him to, to sift through everything and what he feels like he can put a strong chorus on or what he can sing something meaningful over the verses and stuff like that. He's, he's really locked on to that, uh, especially with this record. So, you know, we just kind of put it on that. And then when he's done with, 20 songs or so, then we start sifting through and trying to figure out which ones have, have the, something really strong to say and, and, you know, how we're going to arrange them on the record to where it's a start to finish, you know, people want to listen to the whole thing instead of just the first three songs or we don't want anybody skipping songs. <laughs> mm. Sure. Yeah. So I read in interviews where you said that you had 18 songs written for the last album. So are any of these left over or do you, do you start with a new slate? No, we thought about that, but we ended up just saying, let's, let's see if we can come up with new, you know, let's see if we can keep getting better at, uh, at what we're crafting here. And, and we did, you know, there's, there's still songs left over after this one that we always, we always say, well, there's songs left over that might be on the next record. That, that won't happen because we'll end up writing new stuff again, you know? <laughs> yeah. So how has your approach to songwriting changed over the years? Do you always want to write with another guitar player or do you prefer now to go off on your own and maybe write the riffs and then bring it all together in the end? Um, you know, that's, that's a, a tough question because there's a lot of stuff that I do write on my own. It, but arrangements and stuff like that, you know, it, it's so easy to write with Pro Tools and the, uh, the programs and stuff that we're using. You know, you come up with a riff, and then you know, you come up with you could come up with like ten riffs, and then put them all together, and then, and then move them around and see where they want to where they want to live in the song. And uh, then when you send it off to to somebody, uh, like you know, you send it to Steve or Eric or, or Ken Mary, they might have a different something different so they'll call me and be like hey let's move this part over here and, and so technology is really it's it keeps the uh creative process going whereas you know back in the day you didn't we didn't have the you know the tools we have now mm. are, are, are you someone that is pretty possessive about your your songs that you don't really want anyone to change them or and do you find it easy to let them go in the end no, because that's like a, I look at that like an ego thing, and uh, it, it goes back to that bubble. When you're in that bubble, you might think that something's great, but the greatness is only inside the bubble. When somebody hears it outside of it, they might just go, what the fuck? 
is this guy thinking? You know, <laughs> and, and it happens all the time. So I, I got to trust with, uh, you know, whatever he's saying around me and, and those guys have to do the same thing too. So it's part of the grow, you know, growing up and, and, uh, and maturing as, as a band and stuff like we, mm. you got to be able to say to the, the guy, you know, dude, this riff is not working and then not get all pissed off and, throw their beer up against the wall, you know, and want to quit it. <laughs> yeah. Cause it used to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I've, I've talked to many artists over the years and they can be pretty possessive about the songs. Like they want, they want the majority of the writing credit on it because if the song does well, that's where a lot of the money is now. Well, we always, um, we always try to keep everything even, you know, there's five guys in the band. So everybody's, you know, everybody's got a 20% um, stake in it. Hmm. And that way it keeps, keeps the arguments and stuff down. And we always, uh, as long as everybody's contributing, it's it's a group effort. You know, we all we all put our name on it hmm. you know, as a us. So. Yeah. So, so, Michael, you've played with a few guitar players in the band now. Um, what When, when you replace a, a player who's going to be playing with you, what sort of player are you looking for to compliment you? I don't, you know what, that's, that's a really, really good question. Because it, it's really difficult, because uh, you, you don't really know. It's like a relationship, you know, you're, you're building a relationship with a person. You don't really know what's going to happen until about a year into it. And then you're, and you can really start gelling with somebody. Fortunately, when, when Steve came into the band, I already knew he was a great player. He's, he's really, really talented, really great player and songwriter. When he came into the band, he's got a, a completely different style than I do, which he's got a more legato type style. And, you know, I pick, pick all my notes. So I thought it would be kind of cool. It was very curious to see how we were going to gel writing together. And it, it worked out perfectly. Uh, I can't think of a better musical songwriting partner than that dude. Hmm. Is it difficult to keep the core sound of the band when members keep coming and going all the time? No, um, not really, you know, because we try to, if, if we're going to pick somebody, we try to pick somebody that, um, you know, we don't want a hired hand. We definitely, we've, we've gone that route before and it just doesn't work out. You know, fortunately, they've never been on a record or anything like that, but uh, it causes all kinds of problems. You know, I know Steve's a fan of the band from back in the day and as well as the rest of the guys. And then, then with the addition of Ken Mary, uh, monster drummer, it it just made everything uh it it made the plateau even higher the it set the bar even higher for us. Mm. Now let's talk a little bit about Ken because I interviewed him about three or four months ago, uh, to help promote the Fifth Angel record. Uh huh. And um Another funny thing today was I actually interviewed Kane Roberts, who Ken played with in Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he, so he talked to him. I think I can best dress more than him. <laughs> I talked to him about the Rambo look. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah, but another person I spoke to last year was uh, Greg Jafria. And, of course, oh, okay. Greg had Ken in House of Lords. and. Mm -hmm. One of the things I spoke to Greg about was uh, Ken's relationship with Andy Johns because Andy had a had a reputation of getting rid of drummers, that he was very picky with drummers. And he, he told me a great story about Ken. He said Ken was in tracking the debut record. 
and they brought Ken into the control room and they, you couldn't hear the click. Ken was so on the money. He said, Andy Johns couldn't believe it. Um, Ken is still the same way. <laughs> that he is a human metronome for sure, but he still brings the feel. Like he brings the anger and the fire. There's no doubt about it. Hmm. Were you were you surprised he agreed to join a band like Flotsam? Because to me, he's more known for hard rock, not the trashier stuff. That you know, the faster, heavy stuff that you guys bring. It was a concern of mine until about 15 seconds into the first song that I played with them. I was like, <laughs> that, that was it. I was like, I knew. I was like, yeah, this is the guy. He's the dude. Yeah, and he comes across as just a really nice, laid-back guy as well. He must fit right in with you guys. Oh yeah, he's he's an awesome personality, a really funny dude. But when he gets on the drum throne, he turns into something else, man. He turns into a monster. Mm, I I have to say, his drumming on this record is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I'm super proud of him. He did a great job on it. He did a lot of the production too. Uh, when we were, you know, he's uh, tracking the vocals and tracking the drums. He did that in his studio. Um, so he's he's got a lot to do in the band. You know, he he's definitely uh, he's a full member, totally. Hmm. So, Michael, do you remember what was the first song you wrote for the record? Because that can often influence every other song after. Ooh. This is a yeah, this is a great question. I think uh control was the first song that I wrote for for this record. Mhm. in his house than spawned from my house but Control was the one was the first one that like 
came together for everybody, and it was like, oh wow, this is what's this is what's going to happen this time. Okay, um, and I do have to say that's the hardest, the, the absolute hardest blossom song there is to play. It's just crazy. <laughs> so, so what was the hardest song to write for the record? Um, hmm, good and bad, I think. Even though it's very it's very simple as far as the arrangements and stuff like that, musically. Um, all the guitar riffs, the picking and stuff like that were, were pretty difficult to get to, to flow correctly. You know, I wanted to get something that had, that was almost mechanical sounding uh, with the guitar playing. So, and to get all those spot on, it was pretty, that was pretty difficult too. Hmm. So what, what made you pick Prisoner of Time as the opening song? Because it starts out really fast and then it kind of veers off into a, a completely different direction. Um, strong choruses. Uh, Prisoner of Time has got one of the best choruses I think on the record, and I think it's a uh, it's kind of an eye opener because people you know you know, people watch us pretty closely about what what we're doing and what's coming up, and that was one that I think people once they start listening to it they go their ears perk up and they're like oh wow Flossum's back on this one you know because uh, I, I do think we spent a couple years where we were not necessarily dormant but you know, maybe having some issues trying to find what we were doing, uh, not finding the right tours, uh, not finding, you know, some of the right people to play with. Uh, and, you know, you mid-90s, really rough time for metal. Mm. So, so why do you think um, Eric is still such a fucking great singer? <laughs> like, he's unbelievable. I, I, I don't know. I can't figure out. The dude's one of my best friends, but, like, He's a, he's a maniac. He's a complete maniac. We, uh, on this last tour we did in the United States, we, we went with a, a bus company. It was a great bus company, but we had a bus that was kind of, it probably should have been put off the pasture before the tour, and we should have been on another bus, but we, we took the bus anyway. And we had a great driver, and the bus freaking broke down like every other day. <laughs> and the bus driver, the bus driver, he didn't really know how to fix everything, but AK was like, fuck it, I'll do it. So AK's changing tires. He's, he's inside the motor of the thing. He's fixing the axles on the trailer. There's a video on my, uh, on my YouTube page where, uh, and I think it's somewhere on the Flotsam uh, Facebook page too, of all the, the repairs and stuff that were going on in that tour. But AK, he does this stuff. He does all the mechanical work. And then he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to, I'm going to wash my hands. And then he goes and does the show, goes and sings, and then he comes back and starts working on the bus again. He's a maniac. <laughs> what <laughs> is like, dude, don't you, you need to go to bed? Don't, you you kind of need to rest up. And I was like, fuck it, give me some Jack Daniels and a Coke and I'll be fine. Because <laughs> one of the things Ken said to me, what, what we talked a little bit about Flotsam, was you did so many shows in in so many nights and it was like he had hardly any nights off and he said every single night he was spot on he couldn't believe it yeah he gets better he's uh i, I don't he's a freak of nature i don't know how else to explain it yeah it, it it must be great having a singer like that because you can play anything in your back catalog and know that he'll nail it you can't really say that about certain singers now that they can't hit the notes that they used to yeah that's true and you know what? He's a great singer, but uh, he's even more like 
uh, to tour with the guy, it's an absolute pleasure. Like he is funny and, uh, he's, he's just an awesome dude. man. <laughs> he's a one of a kind character. Yeah. So Michael, I want to talk to you a little bit about lineup changes. Um, do you get used to them? Or is, every, is it every time it happens, it's like, ah, damn, I got to go through this again. Yeah, it's totally, damn, I got to go through this again. Because, it, you know, it's like, a, it's the relationship thing. You know, you're with somebody for five years and you get into another relationship and it's like you're, you're testing them out. You, you don't know what you're getting until the first freak out when they freak out or when you're living on a bus with somebody, you know, the, you can't put that on a resume. You can't put like, Hey, I'm a dick and I, I don't get along with people when I'm on the tour bus, but I still want to be in your band. So here's my resume. You can't say that, you know, you, so it's really like, it does suck doing lineup changes, but I'm, I'm going to have to say we're super lucky with, uh, with the lineup now because we don't have any of those issues. We, everybody's great on the buses and stuff like that. And the songwriting, everybody comes together. There's no egos and that, you know, that's the problem with a lot of bands. People get uh, the ego thing, you know, the, the me, me, me. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. So, so it's, it's pretty laid back. And I, I would have to say I'm super fortunate to be in a band like this because it could really be a nightmare, but it's not. Hmm. So, so how close have you come to either you or Eric just say, I know you did it before, but just saying, fuck it, it's not worth it. There's, there's just too much you going on. I did say that back in uh, the mid nineties because, and it wasn't neat, had nothing to do with any of the guys in the band or anything like that. It was strictly like management stuff that was going on in the direction and stuff like that. And I was just like, you know what? I need to focus on my home life. I'm going to do that for a couple of years. And, you know, I still was making music and still writing and stuff and playing and playing in bands and doing other things. But for that time, I, I needed to get out of it. And, uh, when they asked me to come back, I was like, okay, you know, I think, I think I've had some healing and, and the management stuff was gone and it was more, it was about the band. It wasn't about like a management controlling the band anymore. Cause that was kind of going on back then. So the band had control again. And so I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll come back and I'll start writing some tunes. And, and I have, haven't left since, you know, it's like no inclination to bail on it because uh, it feels good. You know, it's, it's not a chore to go play with these guys. It's, I anticipate the tours and I look forward to, to jamming at rehearsals and writing tunes with them. Hmm. So it's healthy now. Yeah. So Michael, how many of the ex band members are you in uh, regular contact with? All of them. Okay. <laughs> I still talk to all of them. Okay. Uh, I haven't talked to Troy for, for a while, but I still talk to uh, everybody. That's good. That's good to know. So looking back now at, at the, your career in the band, um, I'm sure you've had a lot, a lot of time to talk, of, to think about this. What do you think the worst decision the band ever made? <laughs> well, there's been, a, there's been multiple worst decisions. Uh, and I think moving to a major label and letting uh, like somebody else, timelines I think are, have been the worst thing for this band ever because when you get onto a major label, they, they give you a timeline. You know, you have to go into the studio. You got a month and a half to finish a, a record, artwork. Everything's got to be done. You turn it in. 
and then the, you're you're not done with it. You're not done mixing the record. You're like, uh, it, it doesn't sound the way I want it to sound yet. Oh, oh, it'll get fixed in in mastering. And then you you kind of trust what people are saying, and then it doesn't get fixed. It, it comes out sounding like shit. You know, there was a couple there's a couple records where. Uh, like w- when the storm comes down, it's in desperate need of a remix. Oh That's yeah, a great song. Oh yeah, great Definitely. songs on it. But yeah, it it just it's just missing. If you have bad production, people are gonna people are gonna change the channel immediately on that. They won't buy it. They're not if they're not enjoying it. And that's the thing for me is I want someone to enjoy what I'm doing. I don't want people. I don't want it to be shrill on their ears and they're like, oh man, this is awful. You know, I want them to enjoy it. Mm. But that record. For me, uh, you know, got got lost somewhere somewhere in that. That's probably the worst decision. I, if you could call it a decision, letting p- other people uh, designate the sound of your band. Because <laughs> mm, I'm glad you brought that album up. Because when I when I heard that first, I was like, this thing sounds like shit. I'm going to be honest with you. It had some great songs yeah. on it, but I did not like the the the, set, the mix on it at all. Yep, I'm right there with you. The mix it was it wasn't good, and it it needs to be remixed. Hmm. So the, the initial production, I think, is okay on it. I, I just think uh, it's an issue with the mixing and the mastering. Okay. What What about in the '90s? Is there was there any bad decisions made there? You obviously alluded to one of them that made you walk away from the band. Uh, well, yeah, management and stuff like that. Yeah, that, there were some bad decisions letting a friend manage the band and. Uh, you know, came kids were missing money. Uh, you know, there was some money disappearing that we unaccounted for. So it was like, wow, you know, <laughs> okay, it's gonna, this is, this is gonna happen to us. All right. You know, not gonna happen to me. So, hasta la vista. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Michael, what album in the band's catalog do you think is the most underappreciated? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Ugly Noise on that because uh, Ugly Noise came out and I think something more was expected or something different. I shouldn't say more. I should say different because when it came out, it got some strange reviews and people were kind of on the fence about it. But now people, everybody I talk to now is like, yeah, that was a great record. You know, there were some great moments and there were some great songs on it. And the production's there. The mix is there. Uh, but I think that was our um, our reignition album, I think, is what you would call that. Like starting over. Now we got something else going on, and then uh, we did 2014. No place for disgrace. 2014. We're trying to change the production up on that a little bit, and then we went into the self titled, and and now into chaos, which is I think every all those things have been stepping stones into the big into the bigger picture
Um, didn't you utilize uh, pledge music for ugly noise? Yeah. And, and you know what? Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, was that a good experience for you? Yes, it was. It was a phenomenal experience because at the time it was it was frowned upon at the time because it, you know people were saying, "Oh, you know, you're uh, you're you're trying to take our money and." Uh, you know, get your money from the record label and stuff like that. What are you guys trying? You know, it was not understood what Pledge was doing, but I think it was it was it's a good tool, and I still think it is a good tool. Mm. Uh, and for us at the time, it, it it worked good for us. We had a lot of contact with the fans by being able to put your merchandise up there and get them involved in the record. I think it's a I think it's a great thing. It still mm. is. So so what made you go back to? Uh to AFM then back to a label and, and not do pledge music for any of the rest of them. Well, we did pledge ourselves uh, from the five band members. So it, it just, it, it got to be just a little bit too much, you know, like I said, it's a great experience and it's a killer tool, but for us, it was just a little too much. And it's like, okay, we didn't have anybody helping us out with it. We didn't have management at the time. So we ended up, uh, you know, going with a record label and saying, let's dedicate more of our time to the songwriting and let, let's let, let's let a label take care of all this stuff, our marketing and everything right now. Hmm. So, so, so Michael, what do you want from a label now? Because surely you're, you, what you need from a label now is a lot different than what it used to be in the past. Um, a relationship. Uh, AFM has, has had a great relationship with us and they're involved in everything. A uh, good example is the name of the record. We had a different. It, it goes back to that bubble. When you're in that bubble, you don't, you can't see what's going on outside of the world. You don't know, you know what what people hear or what the perception is going to be. So we had a, for, we had our perception of what we wanted the name of the record. But when we turned that over to the label, they're like, let's revamp this and and think about it for a second because this sounds bad because it sounded like we were ending our career. You know, it sounded like we're going to finish this record and that's the end, the end of it. So they had a, a strong talk with us and it's like, okay, we see your side of it. Let's come up with a solution for it. And that's what I want from a label is that kind of a relationship. Uh, I want the label to be fans, you know, and they're, they're AFN is definitely fans of Flotsam and Jetsam, which is huge. When we were on major labels back in, in the nineties and the, the late eighties, uh, some of the executives were definitely not metal fans. So you, if you're not a fan of it, how can you make a decision, of, you know, that's going to be good, a good decision for the band? You know, you can't. Hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. I, I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go, Michael. Um, oh, okay. I know I ramble on, man. <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry, but I, I'm super excited about this record. I, I just ramble. No, that, no, that's fine. That's fine. You talk away because the album's brilliant. Um, does it still piss you off that uh, for some people, Flotsam and Jetsam is known for the band that Jason Newstead left to join Metallica? No, uh, no, not, not anymore. Jason's a super ultra talented guy and he's got a personality that's larger than life. I don't know if you've ever interviewed him or not, but no. like, he, he is, his personality is larger than life. So I, I see stuff now where he's like, Jason Newstead, come back to the band. You know, people uh, uh, comments and stuff like that. And, you know, that's all cool and everything, but he got to go play with Metallica. It's the biggest metal band ever. 
uh, in, in people want to be associated with that. They want to know about it. They want to know the, the story on it and stuff like that. And I was proud of him for making the decision he did. It was the right decision. He was the right guy for the job. And, you know, there's no hard feelings or anything like that. I'm still friends with him. And like I said, I'm super proud of him. Mm. And I always had some sort of chemistry with him too when I'd write songs. So back in the day, that part kind of, you know, you, you get bummed about that. It's like losing a good relationship, but he came back for ugly noise and I got to write some more tunes on, on that record with him. So mm. Very good. Very good. So, so My- Michael, where do you think your core audience is now? Is it Europe? Is it South America? Is it USA? Uh, Europe, definitely Europe. You know, we go to Europe probably three, four times a year. In the United States, we we played maybe once a year or once every year and a half or two years, which is kind of sad. And, you know, you've been over there before. You understand how how dedicated they are to music. And I wish the United States would get on the same the same page, you know, but it's, it's definitely difficult for people. Different, uh, uh, what'd you say? Just, just different economy. You know, just it's just different for for music over here. Hmm. I, I think the American audience is more fickle. Um, they're they're more into what's trendy now. I think in Europe, once they latch onto the band, they're they're with the band for life. Yeah, you're. You know what? That's a good way to put it. And you're. I think you're totally correct on that. For mm. sure. And and I think another reason, Michael, and this is just personal experience. Um, the bands used to never come over, and every band was underground. So a lot of the bands were big in the states, but they were always underground in Europe. And then eventually, the bands found out that there was. I, I I've interviewed a ton of musicians, and they've all said to me we never realized we had such a fan base over in Europe. And I'm like, well, you should have looked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely an eye opener, an eye opener when you go over there, you know, they're very honest about, about things. They'll tell you if, if you release something that's not good, they will tell you this is shit. <laughs> it, it, I think it's cool. And they're, they're honest about the music and stuff like that. Very, very cool. And they know everything about the band, which you know, you just, you just don't see that over here. Hmm. You know. So, so, Michael, have you done the festival circuit over there? Like, have you ever played Vakken? Yeah, we did that last year. That is the Super Bowl. That's the Super Bowl right there for musicians. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Must, I, I've spoken to many musicians there, and the one thing they hated was they couldn't stay around because of their schedule. They had to like do their show and then leave. That they they saw all these killer bands on the bill, and they couldn't watch any of them. You know, we were fortunate enough to be able to stay for two days, but I'm so short, I can't see anything uh, in the mud. I was thinking in the mud. It's all, it's always muddy at Bakken. And oh, yeah. Uh, but, man, what an experience. Uh, if, I could, if I could say to any U.S. citizen or anybody that lives here, if they can get to the festival circuit in Europe, it's a, they, they should do that. That's like a, a lifetime experience, you know. So cool. Hmm. Well, Vakken sells out every year before they even announce any of the bands. Oh, yeah. And it keeps growing. I think it was 80,000 last year. Hmm. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's bigger and bigger. Yeah. So do you think you're going to be over there again this year? We're going to do 
there is a couple festivals we're doing, uh, and the, we're not we're not confirmed on them right now. We're not doing Bakken this year or uh, coming up, but we're going to do some of the festival circuit. Okay, and then are you going to go over yourselves and do and do a headline tour? I know you're going over with Overkill for a few shows. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, and then uh, we'll be back in the United States after that in, in May and June, and then we're going to be back uh, for the festivals in Europe and then probably some one-off shows too as well, because you know, we want to play, uh, we, we don't want to just sit around between the, the shows, you know, or travel time, even though we, we are tourists and we love being over there for sure, but we definitely want to do shows. <laughs> mm. M- M- Michael, just before I leave you go, um, are you someone when you get to a city that you like to go and have a look around or do you just like to stay in your hotel room? Man, I, I am up at the crack of dawn and I am out the door to see what I can go do and what I can see. Uh, I, I'm a photographer. I love doing that. I video, I go pro everything. I am all about that. Okay. So maybe we'll have a, a DVD or a video to go with, uh, to go with something maybe later next year. Yep. I just bought uh, two GoPro sevens. So I am going to document everything that happens in, uh, in Europe on, uh, in March, so nice, nice. Well, even the messed up, even the messed up stuff that's going out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got a few nice pictures in Ireland when you were over there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, do you want to give out the uh, social media sites where people can get in touch with you or the band? Yep, we have flotsamandjetsam.com, uh, or you know, you can Google search that, and that'll, that'll show all the dates that are coming up, and also. Facebook and Instagram are on all the social media, so you can just do a search for it. Okay. All right, Michael. Well, I'm going to leave you go. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You too, Richie. Thank you, man. And the album's excellent, really is. I love it. Oh, thanks. Um, so when we're in Boston, come come and see me. All right, let's have a beer together. Yeah. Are, Guinness. are you are you playing there in May and June? I don't I don't know if you're up here. If we don't hit it in May and June, we're gonna we'll be back. Uh, after we do the, the festival run to do uh, the dates that we didn't do. Excellent. All right, Michael. Perfect. Well, thanks for the offer and uh, have a good rest of the night. Oh, you too. Thank you very much. No problem. All right. Bye. All right. Good night. And there you go. Richie's chat with Michael Gilbert, all about the end of chaos, the 13th studio album from Flotsam and Jetsam. And you can get that one as a CD or a DVD, and it's also out on vinyl. So there you go. And, of course, these guys, in uh, just uh, a couple weeks from now, they are out on tour. They'll kick it off in uh, in Bologna, Italy, on March the 8th, going all the way through Italy and Germany, the Netherlands, France. They're even hitting, uh, just so Richie knows, they're going to be hitting Dublin on uh what is that? The uh, the third of uh, the twenty third of March. So it's a whirlwind tour they're doing, and then they come back to the states and uh, hit the states in May, k- kicking off May tenth in Denver, and then it's a pretty extensive tour through the states, going all the way to the fifteenth uh, of June, where they will be back in, of course, their home state of Arizona, hitting Mesa, Arizona on that date, but they're going all the way up the eastern seaboard. They're going up into Canada as well. A couple dates in Canada. They are just going all over the place. So uh, be sure to catch them as they come through your area. Should be some great live stuff. A lot of veterans in this band. And hey, it's a chance to catch uh, Ken Mary live and also hear those uh, those incredible vocals from AK. 
And if you're one of those folks that likes to keep up with the bands online, you can hit them up at flotsam-and-jetsam.com. That is their main page. Or the always present Facebook, facebook.com slash flotsamandjetsam.official. So once again, big thanks for uh, Michael Gilbert coming on the show, taking a lot of time to talk to Richie about all things Flotsam. And it goes without saying, but you know what? I'm saying it anyways. Go out and pick up your own copy of The End of Chaos. So that will do it for another week here. Not sure what we've got in store next week, because even the week before, I, you know, I still didn't know what I was going to do this week. And uh, actually, Richie was going to try to get down here so we could do a discussion and interview one. It just didn't work out. It just uh, around this area right now, there is just uh, flus and colds going along like crazy. I'm fortunate I haven't got hit by any of it. But uh, yeah, we were getting ready to go and get this one together. He got knocked out on uh, the beginning of the week and the end of the week when he was uh, going to try to get down here. Uh, his wife fell with it as well. So uh the whole discussion thing just kind of fell to crap for this week. But I know that he does have a lot of stuff that he probably wants to discuss. So uh, looking forward to uh, when he does manage to make it down here to the studio and we can have a good bit of discussion. So it has been kind of a juggling act of looking at, hey, what do I got for audio? How am I going to put all this together? How do I make it uh, not too long that for those of... Uh, those of our partners that only carry us for an hour, you know, that I'm not cutting out a huge chunk of stuff that their listeners don't get to don't get to hear. It's always a balance. So I hopefully I struck it this week with keeping the show uh, within the bounds we needed to keep it in and also making sure that uh, no matter who was carrying us, they got to hear every last minute of this week's episode. And I know also the audio is keeping coming in because Richie's got, I think, two or three more interviews scheduled just this week. So uh, we'll have a lot of juggling to try to keep all that stuff, get it timely, try to get it out as close to release dates as we possibly can. But then again, you know, with a lot of labels we're working with, they are they're kind of realizing, well, they're sending us a whole crap load of people. You only do one show a week. You try to keep it to about an hour. There's only so many things you can push through the pipeline at a time. But it's all good stuff, and we do guarantee we are going to get it all out to you as quickly as we can. But uh, as for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, thanks for listening. And as always, until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.